Welcome into a new year and a new episode. You are listening to Heroes Home Base Podcast, episode 36. Hey guys, thanks for checking us out. This is Rob. This is Mark. Hey, what's up? This is Rich. Episode 36. Welcome awesome. in. 30s. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Oh, man. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Oh, no shit. 2021. Well, I'm excited for this episode because we got the one and only Dr. Doug back on the show. Doug, I really want to, uh, I'm sure you've been listening, but I've been talking to Rob and I really want to have you as like Dr. Doug's movie review corner whenever a good comic book movie comes out, yeah. since that's like your thing. So I, I figure we'll have a, uh, a repeating segment with you on it to discuss these movies. So the last episode, it was like a couple of days before Christmas. So... You want to catch up after the holidays and uh, see what's been going on? Mark, I know you've been busy, busy, busy since you've been off work. So why don't you start it off? Well, I have a bunch of stuff going on. What's up? Besides that lovely posters you've added to your wall. Yeah, my posters are so awesome. So I got a Fantastic Four, an X-Men, and a Batman Hush cover poster, all professionally framed. And I hung those bitches by myself. They're a little bit hard. They're hard to hang by yourself. But I did it. Bitches are hard. Yes. Those bitches are hard <laughs> to hang up, but I did it. You guys have so much cool stuff. The posters, the, the collectibles. I'm like, wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's all the fun in collecting. The posters are what get me excited. Now, do you have front-loading uh, posters? Or like, do you ever swap them out? or or? No, they're just all like, I have it. They're rolled up. And then I just take it to this guy that I know. And he frames them for me. And... Yeah, it's worth it because they look really good. And around, I want to see that Hush poster. That does sound good. So can you see it? Yeah. What Fantastic Four is that? It's not like a uh, issue cover or anything? No. That is dope. Is that Kirby? Yeah. And there's Maximus. Nice. How long have you had those posters? For a while. Don't you just love talking about visuals on an audio-only platform? So <laughs> I think we'll have to have Mark post uh, the pictures to the Heroes Home Base podcast Facebook page so people have an idea what the hell we're talking about. Well, I recently went to Midtown Comics Astoria outlet. Well, Midtown has three locations in Manhattan. There's one in Times Square, one at Grand Central, and one downtown on Fulton Street. Well, they also have one in Queens, and it's an outlet. So I had never been to that one. It's an outlet, and I had never been to that one before. And I had how how, how the hell did you even find out they had an outlet? I always knew about it. It's advertised. I follow them also on Instagram, and I knew about it, but I just never went. So I said, you know, I have some time. So I went to go check it out, and boy, am I glad that I did. So I went there. It's real easy to get to. And what's what's what makes it an outlet, sir? I'm confused. I'm envisioning an outlet mall right now. Well, I think because I kind of figure back issues are outlet pricing nonstop, twenty four seven. Right. So they had. I think this is all the additional extra merchandise that they have that 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 they don't have in that enough of in the store, and what's left over, I think it's they put towards their outlet. So this outlet store is for the inventory that the guy that got fired for not knowing how to order. So I don't know. Just goes to that I don't store. know. Okay. <laughs> I didn't get into all that. I didn't get into all that. They just called it an outlet, so I went. Sorry, I'm irritating you. Continue. <laughs> so I went to the outlet, and I went inside, and they have a bunch of merchandise, and they have a lot of, uh, is it Pops? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Pops, they have a bunch of Pops, a lot of merchandise that had, you know, Midtown Comics and stuff on it. And then I go downstairs, and it was back issue 
heaven. It was just like at a con. They have stuff that's behind like glass on a glass shelf. They had all X-Men Claremont run of nice. X-Men that I needed. It's so awesome. And then they, it was just back issues galore. And in this particular day that I went that weekend, it was 50% off. Every what? Day. So, so how I many got, boxes do you think were there? Uh, probably at least 300. Nice. Oh, uh, wow. It was a lot. It was a lot. It was about 300. It was a lot. And I went through, they had so many great issues. A lot of them that I had, but I went through them and I got the whole complete list of the whole run of Batgirl Year One. I had ne- I didn't know it was an actual um, issue. I had never seen it before. And I was, when Wasn't I saw Chuck- it, I was like, wasn't Chuck Dickinson Dick, 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 Chuck Dixon a part of that? Yeah. Yes, yes, because he was the one who started Birds of Prey. So he did. It was his run, and the artwork was great. And I hadn't when I saw it, my heart skipped a beat because I didn't know that these had come out. They came out in like two thousand two, and yeah. it were it was nine issues. So I got them, and I got a bunch of um, a couple of Fantastic Fours, and I got one Avenger, and I bought sixteen books for forty three bucks. Damn! Wow. It wow. would have been well over 50 had it been full price, but I got it all for about $40, $40 with tax included was $3. But um, it's such, such great books. So many great books. There. I can't wait to bring you guys back there. So was- Midtown at like New York Con, all they ever sold were like the trades. So you're telling me they yeah. got a store that has over 300 boxes of back issues. Why the hell don't they set those up at the con? I don't know, but they, I mean, and it was a very healthy selection. Like there were no missing. It was all neat, all title divided and organized. It was, everything was in plastic. Nothing was crap. They had a bunch of 99 cent bin stuff. It was awesome. It was like. So if I'm doing some loose math in my head, there are more actual comic boxes at that store than there were at New York Comic Con the last time I went. Yeah, you're probably right. (laughs) There were no comic boxes. Since it's just becoming a pop culture event, no longer a comic convention. So it was a great store. Um, and also while I was there, it really is important whenever you go to a comic store to bring your list with you just in case you buy duplicates. So, Uh-oh. yeah, but <laughs> bought- uh, I bought two duplicates. <laughs> I already had, which has never happened to me in the 25 plus years I've been collecting comic books. That is, uh, my list has always been in my head, but I just... You're getting old, Mark. You're getting uh, old. That's, I okay, so the real question is, the duplicate, is it in better shape than the original that you had? No. Same shape. <laughs> Rest, did we get back earlier one? I'm trying to remember. Yes. Oh, we did. Yes, is that did. a Tim Sale cover? No, but it's somewhat similar. I can't remember who the artist is, but yeah, we got that. It was good. It was a great run. I really loved it a lot. So I'm really glad that I got that. Then a couple of days ago, I went to Zap Comics out in Wayne, New Jersey. I always call them ahead of time. I say, isn't this like your second or third time going there? This is my third time going there. And I, it's a, such a great store. It's a small store, but they always have every issue that I need. And I always call because they have a giant warehouse. So if they don't have it in a store, they'll go to the warehouse. They go to the warehouse every morning and they will take my list and see if they have it and get it for me. But this particular date, they had all the issues that I needed in the store. So he set it aside for me. And it was four issues of Birds of Prey during the Court of Owls run. And I was so, I mean, the artwork is awesome. The storyline was great. And I just, I love Zap Comics out in Wayne, New Jersey. They're an awesome store, very small, but impactful. And it was crowded the day that I went in the store. Nice. And lastly, I don't know if you guys, I I think I may have told you about this, but when was, and Dr. Doug, please chime in on this. When was the last time you were in a blockbuster video? Oh man. Been years. I think the last time I was in a blockbuster video 
uh, I went up to the counter to rent a movie and they told me I had an outstanding balance on my account. <laughs> I asked them, well, what do you mean I have an outstanding balance? They said, yeah, you have like $20 in fees on, I'm like for body what? heat, baby, body heat, body heat. Oh God. <laughs> Rob, uh, Rob written softcore porn and like, uh, no, 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 no. I would not even put that in the softcore porn category. That was just awful is what that was. I wouldn't give it that glamorous title. I'm telling you. Talk about embarrassing. Uh, What movie? (laughs) Oh, Body Heat. (laughs) 15 people lined deep behind me. Well, you know, Dr. Doug, he likes to bring this up at least once every eight months. That's a great story, man. That's a blockbuster story, man. Well, I I don't know how I came across it. But there's a great documentary called The Last Blockbuster. And it's about I heard the- about this. Oh. You actually called Amber about it, didn't you? Yes, I did. Did she tell oh. you I called her about it? Yeah. Dr. Doug, Mark knows Amber. They went to college together. She was a, she's a dear friend of mine. She is one of my dearest friends from college. And she and I still I talk. I mentioned that. Yeah, I couldn't yes. believe that. I was the one who told her oh. about it. I called her immediately because I thought she, I knew she would be one of those people that, she, that would appreciate it. And it, it, it's, such, it was an, it's an hour and 25 minutes. I bought it on iTunes and I watched it and it's just incredible. It's a great documentary and it goes into why Blockbuster closed and it also goes into a huge opportunity that Blockbuster missed out on. Well, they didn't they miss Red out Box, on the right? Red Box? No, you have to watch it. It's very good. It's, I mean, telling you, I think it's like 10 bucks or something. Buy it, watch it. It's an hour and a half. And they had Kevin Smith and um, a couple of other celebrities in there. And so it's, a, it's a great documentary. And so it's, still open. it's still open. It's, Bend. it's still open. Oh, it's wow. still open. The very last one on the planet is in Bend, Oregon, which I plan on visiting. Wait, isn't so, that the one that John Oliver from HBO gave like Russell Crowe's jockstrap from that's Cinderella correct. Man? That's correct. And he like yes. he like gave them a whole bunch of publicity to keep them around. So is it like a uh, franchise owned? Like it's a like a privately owned? Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Dish Networks owns it. Who? What? Dish Network. Dish Network. Oh, okay. All right. So I it's think a great it was probably a blockbuster in like oh six oh seven maybe it was the family dollar just uh what east of columbus square rich wasn't that kind of the last one yep it's a family video now i think that's the only available video store and those are still around dr doug when were you last yes yes i i don't know i remember you in a blockbuster like we family video was probably the last video store i've been in because i remember there was one near my parents place but yeah i remember seeing captain marvel and thinking yeah when was the last time i was in a blockbuster I don't remember. I think you should watch it, I you think, guys. It's I a great documentary. Think, um, I think Jurassic Park 3 was the downfall of Blockbuster. <laughs> you remember that? Where that dude was just trying to return his videos and the Transcurs Rex ate his ass. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, it was, it was so tragic. Dude, I remember video store galore in the, well, obviously the 80s and the 90s. I remember West Coast Video. Mm-hmm. Video Pursuit was obviously that small independent one by Comic Town growing up. Hollywood Video. Um, Hollywood family video. video family video like showed up i think a little later in central ohio i think they've been around for quite some time but yeah hollywood video was good remember it was video universe rich yes it was badass and then hollywood video bought them yeah oh man i'll have to check it out mark you you're pulling on my I think nostalgia you i think here. you should it's really a great documentary it's not stupid there's no dull moments it's just straight it captivates your attention the entire time nice so rob christmas Ooh. how was it oh man I mean, Christmas was great. Uh, oh man! I think I always forget. No, I I always forget how just crazy my house gets. 
And I always, it always takes me like two or three days to put everything back together again. Like there's just so much stuff everywhere. Um, but I was good. It's like, um, it's like November or G- November, Jesus, January 2nd. And I just threw out the giant bag of trash because my trash can was full. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, comic book wise, uh, you know, Rich took really good care of me. He got me the, uh, the bone. 20th anniversary box set shout out to tom gott and jeff smith at cartoon books making christmas miracles happen <clears throat> really amazing that, that completely took me by surprise nice um and then i got the world's the world's bonus autographed poster here yes i think it's just he actually draws batman and superman really well <laughs> yep. to do something about that um oh what else it was pr- it was actually a pretty light christmas and i was totally okay with it like just completely okay with it so yeah how about you? Uh, what was the one of the other cool presents that your awesome brother got you? Oh, hey. <laughs> Tell me you wouldn't wear that shit. Oh, wow. That is cool. This one's cooler. <laughs> Look at this. Mark. Where did you find that? <laughs> Batman Get Series out. 2 movie, movie covers. Show the bottom. Wow. Show the bottom. Oh, yeah. We got we to gotta do the contents of what's in the pack. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> You got that from T Public? Yes, they actually had wow. series series one too. Wow! Once again, visually impairing our listeners, so I got him a shirt with the Tops Batman series two movie cards on the front of the shirt. So I have to have Rob put that on the Facebook page. All right, so my Christmas was pretty cool. Uh, the wife got me some uh, Superman themed bourbon equipment, some glasses. Nice little wooden chest. Uh, I got the uh, DC Christmas-themed pops. So Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash, all Christmas-themed. Those are pretty cool. And uh, yeah, mine was... Mine was good. Like Christmas as well. So nice. Dr. Doug, what about you? Oh, it's almost like literally nothing. You know, I think I needed the rest more than anything else. So for me, it was signing up for HBO Max so I could see Wonder Woman 84. So that was, that was, uh, and I was not planning on getting that until next year with uh, Justice League. So uh, it was just nice to have some time off and have a chance to watch some stuff like that. Oh, yeah. So did you hear about the new Justice League release date? March, right? Yeah. It's the 25th, right? Something 25th? like that, yeah. Like, I was, I was worried it was going to break. Be I thought yeah. for sure we were going to be waiting till next Christmas to see it. But and have they said if they're doing four consecutive months or releasing it all at once? I think it's going to be weekly. Oh, weekly, yeah. okay. Like an episodic I th- show. It's at least in what four four episodes right. at least, right? Correct. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I thought they'd do one a month to get more uh, membership. Kind of Wouldn't be surprised if they did that. All I right. would lose interest. <laughs> a month is too long. Mr. Marvel guy with 10 years of Marvel movies, you didn't lose interest there. You can wait four months. Yeah. I'd lose interest. I'm saying if they did it every month, I would lose interest. Oh, if they whatever. did one a month. Whatever. So picky. All right. So everybody else. dive into this, Rich. Everybody else is talking about this. So we're pretty much going to spend the uh, episode talking about Wonder Woman 1984. And, uh, Although, hold on. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Dr. Doug is grieving because Lenox Town Center is no longer AMC and you don't get your movie pass there anymore. I know. What happened I, with that? I didn't have to grieve long because I, I know another theater's bought it, but I'm going to miss that movie pass thing, the uh, A-list. I, I'm going to miss that. What was that? What, what is it? Like, you pay, you pay you, was, don't you pay like an annual subscription for was, that? It was 20 bucks a month and you could see three movies a week, you know, so, that, which was pretty nice and 
you know, I think 10% off concessions or 20% off concessions. That's uh, a big so number. It was, it was a nice, yeah, it was a nice, <laughs> nice deal. So why did AMC drop it? Open, I think I, I think. saw the article, but I didn't really read it. I, I think it's still going on. Actually, it's just that our Lennox here closed. So, and, I, and that was the closest AMC to me, but I think they've still got the A-list going. It's just going to be harder for me to find a convenient theater think, to get to. I think Easton might be your next closest. Uh, yeah. Bro. Isn't, isn't great, you know, because I, yeah. I live on Lane, so it was like a couple minute drive to get to Lennox. Yeah. Yeah, no kidding. Well, and I think, what, they still got the Dublin, but I don't know. Yeah. Dude, I used to, Rich and I used to live every Friday night at Lennox for like, what, like three years, Rich, or something. Was, like, I want to say it was longer than that. Like, we would go there, I think, once the uh, Northland Mall Theater closed, we started going to Lennox. So we were still doing that in high school, and then well, we it was did, just all Lennox. We kind of went back and forth between there and uh, Crosswoods, and Crosswoods is actually... So it's still a very nice theater now. Yeah, I almost. Yeah, it's almost too. It's almost too dangerous because I'll be reclining and fall asleep. <laughs> like a I will admit, because this is relevant. I it, it took me like three months to admit this, but I did fall asleep for about twenty minutes during Wonder Woman number one because I was too damn comfortable in that reclining chair <laughs> at the theater. Wow, I at think the theater, the, I'm like, I, oh man. I I think I fell asleep. Uh, I don't even know if the Dream Lounge seats were there yet, but I remember falling asleep in Da Vinci Code and I was completely lost because I kept dozing <laughs> off and off and off. And I'm like, yeah, this movie's great. Uh, what? <laughs> There's Tom Hanks. I still don't think I've ever done that at a theater. I, I, still, I don't think I've ever ever done that at a theater. <laughs> I've only done it once. And for and I, I can't believe it was actually Wonder Woman that I did it in because I was so stoked. But I don't know if it was just the end of an awful work week. I was just like... <laughs> Yeah, it was bad. I don't tend to walk out of theaters either, which is the other thing. I, I think maybe once I've walked out of a movie. Uh, well, I just did that once. Yeah, what would you walk out of, Doug? It was, it was one of Mark Wahlberg's, uh, an action movie, either last year or the year before. And the name's not coming to me right now, but I thought it was bad. I don't know what it was about that one that got me to walk out compared to some of the other direct I've seen. <laughs> I want to say it was a Jason Statham movie set in like medieval times, like something about the king or some shit. It was like watching a like 1990s Power Ranger episode. And I was like, we're f-ing leaving. This is f-ing stupid. In the name of the king. I think that's what it was. That's in the name of the king. Yeah. I'm like, what is this shit? Like, these look like putties from the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers that they're fighting. No. <laughs> All right, so let's dig into Wonder Woman. Do you want me to go first, and then we'll just go around? I think Doug should go first as our Doug, guest. take it away, buddy. Good, bad, ugly, let's hear it. Let's hear your thoughts. Yeah, you need an intro. Do you want me to just jump in? Jump right in. And are we doing spoilers or holding off on those? We'll say spoilers. If you haven't watched it yet, that's your problem. Spoilers, proceed. Okay. <laughs> We are in a spoiler minefield right now. Well, I was probably into the movie for the intro. You know, I thought it opened really well with uh, starting in Themyscira and and tying back to the first movie. And one of my biggest issues with the first one was that we didn't see Diana having to compete in the contest to win the right to be Wonder Woman. So I thought, hey, great nod at the beginning of the second one. Even if she's a child, you know, going through the contest, need we to see it. Colorful, brighter. Um, you know, so I liked it, but it felt like as soon as they jumped into 1984 in the 80s, it started to get into what you were talking about, Rich, almost like Power Ranger, you know, campiness uh, that really lost me. I found the the shift in tone so jarring from, you know, the 2017 movie, which had that, you know, grounded in World War One and, 
you know, kind of overcast like the Zack Snyder movies. And, and this one just got into too much of a camp factor uh, for me that I was, you know, kind of stunned by it. Um, and the first 40 minutes felt so long. It felt so slow. That it was just hard for me to, to, to stick with it, you know. Um, I don't know if you guys watched it all the way through, but with it being on Asian Field Max, I ended up dividing it up over over three days, which was maybe to an advantage because it gave me like a second wind each time I, I came back. To yeah. it. But I don't know if I could have gotten through, you know, two and a half hours um, just watching it all at once. And um, I, I guess I'd just say it was too much in one movie. You know, it reminded me of Spider-Man 3 uh, in the sense of too many characters, too long, um, too many things they're trying to do. And, and it just none of it connected. It felt very hazy. Um, very indistinct, uh, and I just, I don't know who I'd recommend it to. You know, if you're a fan of the 2017 movie, it feels like this is a completely different tone. Yeah. Um, if you're into Marvel superhero movies, it feels like, and I don't know if they were trying to do the Marvel style and just miscalculated or if they were going for kind of all-out camp, but it felt like they misjudged there too. So if someone's a fan of the Marvel movies, I think this is almost too, you know, kind of silly. Um, and, and I almost want to say it's written for eight to 10 year olds, but I don't even know if they would be into it. You know, um, it almost had that Saturday morning cartoon feel to it. So yeah. you hit that on the head when you said the age range completely, but to kind of piggyback off what you just said, like my daughter loved the first one. Like she walked around the house like this for weeks yeah. afterward. And she literally got up after the opening scene and started playing with her Barbie dream house that she just got for Christmas and didn't give two shits about it. And she's like, is she gonna, is, uh, is there gonna, is it, it where's, uh, okay, never mind. I'm like, this is, and this is like you said, it's like, it seems like it's being centered towards children and she's f- bored. <laughs> right. And, and you're not the only one to mention that. I feel like I've seen other, uh, or at least one other parent on Facebook saying, you know, their kid said after we're done, we just wasted two and a half hours. We could have been watching. <laughs> This, yeah, yeah, movie. This kind of goes hand in hand with the show, but uh, show quitter Kim herself got up twice to, I don't know, go to the bathroom, get some food, wash a dish or something. And I'm like, hey, you want me to pause it? She's like, no, I don't really care. So, in true show quitter Kim fashion, she even walked out of it a couple times. Keep going, sorry, yeah, no, so and. I think maybe the movie started to have a little bit of signs of life for me when, when Pedro Pascal entered as, as Maxwell Lord, you know, the, the villain of the movie. And uh, he, he, he played it up, you know, he, he played it for a camp factor, but you felt like he was the only one who maybe knew what kind of movie he was in. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes you can tell how good an actor is when they're able to rise above it um, and kind of take control. So he, he plays it to the tilt, but it's a very knowing performance, you know, there, and I think it works because there are moments when the camera catches him where you can see the performance stops, you know, no one's watching him. And then as soon as he enters a room, you know, the, the performance starts, the smile comes up, the showman is there, you know, so he brought the first, you know, kind of spark to the movie, maybe 30, 35 minutes in when, when he first appeared. Um, uh, and like I said, that was when I started my second day of viewing. So, you know, I had a little bit of a second win after a break for a day, but, um, that gave the movie a little bit of, of a lift. Um, and then, of course, when Wonder Woman has her blast from the past in the middle part of the movie where Chris Pine, you know, makes his appearance, that was probably really the heart of the movie. And uh, I think I'm realizing how much the series has maybe depended on him thus far. Yeah. Um, he's super charming, man. Like, he makes he's, it. <laughs> he's great. I mean, and I would almost say he might have been the best thing about the first movie, where if anybody else had been cast as Steve Trevor, I don't know if it works. You know, like, I, I think Gal Gadot's great in the role, um, but she doesn't quite have the acting chops, and I think he's better than you realize, you know, better than, yes. you know, maybe the Star Trek movies kind of showed. 
Well, and it's almost like all of his performances really aren't forced. It's almost like he just gets it and it, it just flows. Kind of like creates a, that he creates that grounded chemistry that carries a scene or carries the whole, you know, attitude of the movie, really. Sorry. I would agree. <laughs> no, no, I would agree. Absolutely. You know, so he he probably is the best Steve Trevor in whatever incarnations that we've seen. So the movie took on kind of a whole new life there in the, in the middle hour. Um, interesting reversal of the first movie where Diana was the, you know, fish out of water that didn't know the world of men and, um, and kind of naive. And here she's the one that's been around for decades and he's the one with that childlike awe at seeing, yeah. you know, the 80s. Um, and it really worked, you know, and, and it was probably in that middle hour too that um, it was picking up narrative steam too, you know, where you've got this artifact from the past, the Dreamstone, and Diana's beginning to realize the villain's going to be up to no good. What's Maxwell Lord up to? And so there's some narrative propulsion at that point too. Um, it's still not a great movie, but at least now it's moving. You know, there's something yeah. interesting to watch apart there, you know, with Steve and, and Diana. And, so uh, what are, what are a couple of things that you, I mean, you've, you've mentioned at least a couple, but what are some additional things that you liked about it? Yeah, I, I did like the connections to the, to the first movie. So I liked that they started out at the Mascara. I, I liked that the, the dreamstone kind of the MacGuffin of the movie does connect back to the, to the gods and yeah. to that history. So it felt like they weren't losing, you know, that, that aspect of it. I did like the full color palette. You know, I, I do like the I kind agree. of look and the, and the more grounded, you know, but I, I liked having some color to it and, and some, some brightness to it, um, which I thought was done really well. Um, and, and I'll say there's some really interesting ideas in there, you know, that they, they try, they're trying to get at with what people wish for. And, um, and, and some of the complexity of, of things, but it, they just didn't quite nail it the way they did in the first movie um, with what Diana learns at the end, you know, about, you know, in the first movie it seemed very much about, you know, Diana's fixed on, if I can just take out this one evil figure, the war ends, you know, yeah. and realizing it's much more complex than that. Um, and I think they did a nice job of showing that, you know, just what human nature is like. It felt like they were kind of going for something like that in the second movie, but I can't quite put my finger on, on what it was. You know, it, it just uh, didn't come together. But it felt like there were big ideas about human desires um, and how those can get skewed and how they can go wrong and about the nature of love. But it, it threw all over the place. So I'll go. I have a few days off. I think I might watch it again because I don't know, dude. Like, I take these movies so Brave serious. Man. I take them so serious and I want to just make sure I watch every single minute of it the first time and take it in and then I can think about it. So there's a lot of things that I want to point out. I think the eighties was pointless. I think it, I think it was, I think it was just a nostalgia grab for people our age and I won't even say millennials, but I I think it was pointless. I think it was trying to hit on the nostalgia vibe that everybody else has been trying to do since Stranger Things came out. Um, Don't you agree, Rich, that they did more with that in the the promotion for the movie than in the movie itself? Oh, absolutely. With soundtrack and all that. Yeah, yeah. So what soundtrack? Like, that's part of the problem is they had, I mean, if you're going to go in the 80s, I mean, take advantage of the endless soundtrack and they didn't do anything. They even had... I didn't even hear Wonder Woman war theme from the first movie and BVS. I didn't hear any Wonder Woman theme in that. Am I, I wrong? Real 80s music in it. Maybe there wasn't. There was nothing. Budget. Maybe they didn't have the budget for it. Okay. So I'm going to make this quick and then we can talk about it. So from start to finish, I agree with you, Doug. I liked the beginning because I really liked her aunt and her mom and the relationship that, that we had. And we really didn't get to see the upbringing in the first movie like we did in this one, just in that first 20 minutes or so. 
So that was nice to see and nice to see that, you know, her mom kind of embraced that young Diana that we, the even younger one from the first one. And, you know, her mom let her continue to progress. So I liked that. I liked that the, the lessons in that opening scene, like you, you can't cut corners in life. Like there's no, you're not going to be able to cheat your way to get what you want. Um, so that was good. So let's just fast forward. My problem, like I said, is the eighties. It was pointless. I feel that they should have put this right after, in continuity, they should have put it right after BVS. Superman's dead. Batman's the only one. He's off trying to find the other heroes. Wonder Woman exposed herself in BVS. So she's running around an 80s mall, taking out security cameras, trying to hide her identity. But hundreds and hundreds of people are at the mall and witness her. So there's no hiding. And you're going to have some cameraman outside the mall. Some mystery woman saved the day. Like, okay. So that was a miss for me. So they could have had her not trying to hide herself. And she could have been out in the public eye. Like, yeah, I'm Wonder Woman. Like, I want to be your hero. I want to, I want to take care of the world, I think that was a miss. So I don't understand her trying to hide her identity. Plus, Bruce Wayne is not an idiot. He would have had more evidence in BVS that she existed other than a World War One photo. So well that he stole from Luther's drive. So Right. So I I don't I'm not I'm not digging that. So I feel like the ending. Well, hold on, let me let me let me interject for just a second because it matters with your continuity comment. Because I was listening to uh, Fat Man on or Fat Man Beyond, and a guest or a, someone in the comments made a good point. You can't really do it post Justice League, no, nope. because then it's like, well, where the hell's the rest of the Justice League? So I do think it makes more sense. Somebody made a comment because I was talking to somebody uh, making comments on Facebook after I watched it, and somebody did say that, like, well. It, it can't be after BBS because then all the other Justice League members would have just no, shown up and helped save the day. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not saying it's you're after saying Justice post, League. You're saying post BBS before Justice League. Correct. Which I think makes sense. Because, but the other point though is, did she actually expose herself in Batman v Superman? Because I think Batman so. Takes, well, Batman takes Doomsday back to the docks where there's, less casualties and then that's when wonder woman shows up so she does still have some anonymity yeah yeah i could see that but okay so getting off track but we can focus on these little nuggets here she was so and childish is a bad way to explain it but she was so naive and childish and yearned to go serve humanity in the first one such a bright shining star and in this one she was so morose and so down because she spent decades and decades away from her love and like she's just like a mopey depressed Diana, it would have flowed better to, she could have related to Superman dying. Lois was there, saw the love of her life die, and she could relate to that and, and like connect to humans on that level. That's why I think it would have been better to be right after BBS. So mm-hmm. other things that I liked about it, I love the invisible jet I, I i did not even see that coming and and i was just making fun of the saturday morning cartoons but that was cool nostalgia like didn't even think that was gonna happen and that was cool i liked it that was pure inner child entertainment and i loved it that was a great gym it was absolutely well i like the way they explained it because that was something i always hated about one room i'm like why does this chick need an invisible jet that's the dumbest thing i've ever right. seen right <laughs> <laughs> and I know, and I know, you know, Patty Jenkins probably, you know, 
and some of the other, I think there were what, three writers on this. I think they probably collaborated to make that work, but I loved how they tied it back to, this is how they hid the island. So, you know, I, I have this ability and I think it, I think it worked. I think it connected with some classic Wonder Woman stuff and it made it also modern with what else was going on. So I did like right. that touch. Yeah. Um, I, I, I did like the wishing stone, like you said, Doug, and it tied back to the God. So it tied back to her and her understanding of, how those things are i wish that maxwell lord didn't just show up at the museum and like a creeper trying to just lift an object i know that it was like really really quick but you could tell he was doing the research on it and he wanted it i wish they would have done a little bit more foundation on him struggling and really really needing it to succeed in his mind i think that would have been a little bit better um he was awesome like, like you said, like he, he commanded the presence when he was on screen and I thought he delivered really, really good. Um, the ending was a little weak, like your kids just run around in the woods and you just happen to find them, whatever. Um, I really, okay, biggest thing I liked the whole time the preview started coming out and we're like, well, oh, Steve Trevor's back. How are they going to pull this off? I loved the quantum leap body snatcher uh, possession type thing. Like it wasn't really him, but spiritually it was him. And he looks in the mirror, like, what was that dude's name on quantum? Like Scott Beckett, like look it in the mirror and it's somebody else, but you know, it's him. Like that was cool. Like that to me was the perfect way to do it. And I think that that was, that was a gem. So like, I really enjoyed that cheetah. God damn it. I wish we had some more cheetah in this movie, man. Like, and I wish she would have, I liked her progression. She was great. I, like she was the one check mark that was like, is she really going to be able to pull this roll off? I know I'm not the only one thinking that. And I thought she did awesome. I wish that she would have progressed sooner and we would have seen more and more demented cheetah. Um, another problem, every f-ing guy in this movie was like a pervert. Hey, Pat Colin. Hey, yeah. like uh, really are all men in the eighties douchebags like i wasn't a big fan of that um i, I agree and you, and you can maybe say with cheetah's transformation too there's the same kind of issue right kind of a superficial idea of this is what empowerment is um and and i i don't know i, I you might dif- disagree with me on this but i almost wish they'd either picked her and cheetah or pedro pascal's maxwell lord and developed one of them better yeah you know yeah. it's only doing both you know, they kind of struggled. And I liked your idea of what they could have done, Lord and his research and, and all of that, rather than he's got to try to seduce, you know, the Kristen Wiig character to get the stone. I liked felt- that he had that relationship with his son and you could tell he was motivated in his head to succeed because he didn't want to be a failure, not just to himself, but to his kid. And he kn- and you know it was driving him to try to get this and succeed to not fail his kid. But to kind of go full circle, like the ending to me, to try to go back to what I originally said, I feel like the ending would have worked if the people of the world knew that it was Wonder Woman and knew who she was and they weren't just following a golden lasso light out of their 19-inch, 1980s boom tomb television telling you to rescind your wish. I thought that was so flat. I'm like, that's so unbelievable. And to think that he's got to go to some giant secret broadcast studio to reach all these people, like you could have done it in the modern world with social media, phones, tablets, computers, any streaming service, like I, th- I think they, I think it was a miss. I think it was a miss. So and I think it all goes back to the time period that they try to base it in. So overall, my grade C plus. 
<laughs> so, all right, I'm going to rank it maybe a little higher with a B minus. <laughs> um, so a couple things. I do think, and I agree with you, and this has kind of been what hit me as soon as I watched it. And Doug, I did do it in two I did it in two parts, so I, I didn't quite do three, but I, I couldn't. I didn't realize how long it was. I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, this is really, really long. The I do think they were going for a Stranger Things 80 nostalgia, and I'll just be honest. I think that's run its course. I think it's run its course. It's a, like, two year and a half, two years overdue. Like, I think we'll have to wait for another 30 years until that cycles back in, in pop culture again. But So I think 84 made no sense. I think, this is my opinion, I'm wondering if they're trying to play on the, you know, kind of an initial oomph for materialism, you know, women's liberation. I think they were trying to hit on some of those major social issues that I think since World War II really picked up, obviously, in the late 70s, early 80s. So I get maybe some of the backdrop they were going for, but even like the Cold War really went flat because it was almost like I was watching, um, oh God, what's the... uh, What's the movie where the dude rides the bomb in black and oh, white? Oh God, uh, love, <laughs> uh, love. Doctor Strange, Strange Love. love. Doctor Strange, Strange Love. Like I, I, I thought like I, I, I somehow wandered into the twilight zone of Doctor Strange Love and some perverted version of Watchmen. <laughs> like it was like, <laughs> what am I watching here? Like is Nixon going to show up next to this Reagan in person? Like what's happening? So I think scrap the eighties altogether. I think if you were going to do the eighties, you could have done several things different. One, the music. I mean, come on, you could have blown our socks off with some of the music, like some Cindy Lauper. Yeah. Right. Like, come on, let's, (laughs) let's, let's make it happen. Um, The only thing I liked, it was nice to see Walden's books. And again, in a mall, it's it's been, it's been a minute. I I love that. I think I got my first uh, wizard magazine in there. Oh, but I, I, I just didn't think that it did anything to the story. The main problem with the main reason I hate the eighties is I think it does betray the continuity because it took a lot for her to enter the world during the first one. Then in Batman v Superman, she even hesitates to engage with um, dark side or not dark side. Good Lord. Doomsday. Like, you know, she's on the plane and she knows something's going down and she's, it, um, like she has to get off the plane. Like it's pretty clear that she was about ready to cash out, but she's going to go stop a mall heist in 1984. Like that's, you're okay with that, but serious stuff is going down and, and you, you seem to be okay with that. So I just hate I feel like they were trying to keep with that plot of her telling Bruce at the end of BVS that she turned her back on humanity years ago. And there were just, they just kept that string going just to just to say that they didn't betray the continuity when they should have just done it after it instead yeah. of <laughs> having I, I don't get it like this superhero is going to be destroying cameras in the mall like yeah. vandalism. Did, did, I think they just made it too big also right like if if you're trying to keep her identity secret and have her this have this work you know hey shh, you know you didn't see me you can't have a big earth it's involving the whole world the whole earth is in danger i mean you guys you mentioned rob the cold war aspect i kind of wish they had done like an espionage cold war captain america type storyline which could have had her behind the scenes targeting Maybe, yeah. forces it doesn't put you right in the spotlight in the middle of a mall or you know you know war in the middle east you know in, in a highway chase i mean i wish they would have taken that kind of approach well that actually linked it you know would have linked okay. it with the world war one kind of feel too you know i was just Absolutely. gonna say that's a really good point because i would almost pay homage to trevor being a spy 
Like that that actually would have been a really yeah. good tie-in. I didn't I didn't think of that. That would have been cool. Um okay, so just a couple things. One up so two of my favorite scenes. I know it was done to pull at my heartstrings, but I loved the fireworks and the flying scene. I love the yeah. colors. I loved the the intimacy between the two of them. It was mixed with the appropriate level of quirkiness, like, are they gonna shoot at us? And you know, like I like the build up to it. But the the next scene that I really loved was her trying to figure out how to fly. I loved yeah. how they tied they tied in what he said. him as that him as that pilot, you know, him kind of explaining this is kind of how the natural, you know, pilot, you know, learns how to just do what we do. And I just thought that was a really good tie in with Trevor's character uh, again. To, to piggyback on Rich, I, I at first I was like, are we seriously going quantum leap? But then it, it kind of worked for me. Like I thought it was a better, made it more tangible that how do we bring this dude back? So what, 70 some years later yeah. with, I mean, there is a magic stone. I get that. So I think it, I think it worked. It begs some some ethical questions, like what happened to this cat when uh, Trevor's using his body for all sorts of interesting things, <laughs> not just... <laughs> uh fanny packs and uh other parachute such pants parachute <laughs> pants although i did love to your point doug i did like the the reversal like the fish out of water and i i loved just you the his this american issue pack with the flag <laughs> fanny pack which i just thought was incredible i love that a lot and i love that he was like who wears this pirate outfit almost which was kind of a play on the first one where she's like hiking the skirt up and they're like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? She's like, who fights in this? So I thought it was a, a, a genuine um, flip of that. And I thought it worked out pretty well. I, um, I kind of agree with you, Doug. I think it would have been nice either go the cheater route or go the Maxwell Lord route. I think, or at the very least, maybe go the Maxwell Lord route and just groom Cheetah for a bigger part in a later story. Like at least bring the character in, maybe not have her do a transformation, um, but maybe set something up. I think the problem with DC across the board is just their timing. It's like, they're so damn impatient. So it's like, they don't have, and we've talked about That's this. That's a very good times. point. Very they good don't point. have a long game and it drives me crazy. It's like, can you please at least, if you're going to do something like a Wonder Woman movie that's in the continuity with the Snyder movies, unlike, you know, the rest of Batman stuff with Nolan and the Burtons, and stuff, that's fine. But can you at least zoom out and like see how it fits and maybe make some some adjustments to the script, adjustments to the story so that it fits better within the continuity? I it pains me to say this, but as a comic fan and an, I like to be entertained, Marvel has wrote the book on this, like just completely wrote the book on this and DC is still trying to figure it out. And it's, it's actually kind of annoying. Cause it's like wonder woman one was just amazing. Like it was like a genuine display. I think of women empowerment in comic books. Like this is one of the major icons where, you know, little girls and women could see them right up against all the big guys and not, no damsel in dis distress or anything, but them actually going toe to toe. And I thought, man, that's really awesome. And then even like the female empowerment, I thought was, it just missed something. Like I, I agree with Rich, the cat calling was just over the top. Like I'll be the first to admit, I would self-identify as a feminist. I think, you know, we need to have equal rights for women, but this was like taking a Louisville slugger to the face. Like every time either Kristen Wiig or, you know, Diana were in the presence of men that were extras. They were getting catcalled. And I have no doubt that that's probably factual, but really, like, to that extent, and I don't know how many times we needed to see Cheetah kick this dude down the sidewalk. I'm like, is this, right. like, her transition into 
villainhood, but we've got to watch him literally kick him down the sidewalk 30 times until he's almost dead. I was just like... And that's where you got the tonal problems, you know? Like, what kind of movie do you want this to be? Right, right. And it's like, it, it really, I think, missed some of those things. And part of the tone also is it's like, and I'm all about female empowerment, but I think they missed it on two major points. Are you telling me that, and this is one of the problems I had with the first one, she's been sitting around for 70 years unfulfilled yeah because a man like there's no other way you can get fulfillment like you're a goddess like what's happening here the other thing going back to the first one that i just didn't like i thought it was a weakness in the script it wasn't until trevor died that she kind of got the the uh, inertia to finally defeat aries i'm like so he has to die for you to actually fully come into your your heroist like character i guess i was like i don't know that's that's really kind of weak But the other part that really kind of missed the mark for this empowerment was it was Steve Trevor that had to tell her, you have to give me up. Like, It's almost a repeat. He had to die again for her to get into the final act. I just think it would have been, it would have done something better if she came to that conclusion. Like it was almost like she was so resistant to that and it almost made her the damsel in distress. Like seriously, like, oh, I can't lose you again. And it was like, it would have just done something more if she identified, I'm going to st- I have to let you go. And then him kind of coming in and agreeing with that because his character has that integrity that my life is not more important than the greater good. So I think it would have been a really good opportunity for him as a character to, again, confirm the same character is intact even 70 years later that, listen, you got to let me go. I agree with you instead of him kind of taking charge on that. So I think the empowerment was, was I think it's kind off. of funny that she, her character was so mopey dopey. And then when they were sailing away from Themyscira, she made the comment that we don't need, we don't need men. Men are only there to re reproduce. Like we've, we wrote the book and like, <laughs> we don't need men for, we don't need men for pleasure. <laughs> right. <laughs> Apparently you do. You know, I gave the movie a C plus because I thought, you know, throughout the movie, I think they did, I think Patty Jenkins and the writers, I thought they did a great job. I like the dynamic between Steve and Diana. I like the fact that he let her, or didn't have a problem letting her take the lead because he knows how strong mm-hmm. she is, that she's, mm-hmm. you know, invulnerable to a lot of things, that she's a god. I think that, you know, he acknowledged the fact that her powers were, powers were starting to fade. It's like he acknowledged just how strong and powerful she is. And the fact, you know, she didn't know how to fly a plane, but he did, even although he wasn't as powerful and can't do any of the things that she can do. Like when she was getting squished in between the two tanks, he kind of drove up and like stopped it with the the truck. So it's like he has her back as much as he can as a human. And I I like that part of it. I thought that he didn't feel emasculated by her at all. No, I agree with you. That way at all. I like that a lot. Although Um, I did love that he got his ass kicked in the White House, but how he would like, I just learned this. Like I thought that was again his like, genuine like yeah. i'll try to do my best to stay with you and i'll maybe take on this secret service agent while you're handling 10 more but yeah i like that he i liked i feels like you know i like cheetah i thought cheetah was great i thought that fight scene needed to be a lot longer i thought they did, did a good job of because in the comics cheetah does and in you know the cartoon cheetah does give wonder woman a run for her money and i thought that yeah. they did a good job of showing that in that in that last fight scene um there's just a comic there's a 
article on comicbook.com that I just posted showing that, you know, for the possible Wonder Woman 3, that they're going to bring back Cheetah and kind of resolve that kind of ambiguity to her ending because she didn't renounce her wish. No, she didn't. So we, you know, she could still be Cheetah. And I hope that they do bring her back and give her more screen time because she is a formidable enemy of Diana's. And I think that I was reading an article where Patty Jenkins was saying with the first Wonder Woman, that ending in in the Wonder Woman one was not Patty's. It was the executives that wanted that kind of ending. Shocker. And I feel like this movie <laughs> has a lot of, I think it had a lot of executive influence to it. I think you're right. And I think, you know, I'd like to know, and also just plot wise, I'd like to know, although this jet is invisible, how do they get from, well, where did they go? Egypt or the Middle East all the way back to, to DC in like five hours? Like, uh, really? She's like, I'll meet you there tomorrow. Like, how is that possible? I mean, it is possible, but okay, where'd they put the jet? Did they put it back? <laughs> how did they get there? Like, you know what I mean? How did they get back? so fast was she tired was she you know what i mean like that's a kind of hole there i would like to have been filled and also their clothes there was nothing that was a very watered down 80s about it or the clothing was not 80s that that black dress that cheetah wore to that party was totally like last week (laughs) the white gown she wore totally totally now now all of diana's clothes could have been worn now and nobody would bat an eyelash I think the the only they could have played Steve's surprise in modern day. Yeah, Yeah. I was saying they could have played Steve's surprise and awe in this modern age today. Like it. Oh, absolutely. Use of the eighties. Yeah. Yeah. I I guess another. Go ahead, Rob. Sorry. I think the only like outfit that might fit was like remember where he thought the trash can was a piece of art and the outfit she was kind of wearing in that kind of scene kind of had some designing women vibe to it like a little bit of like. I needed a little bit more shoulder pads, but you, know. <laughs> but you know, it was, I was like, I could see that, but I, uh, to your point, Mark, it was kind of neutral and it really could be like a, a female suit in the late nineties and even somewhat modern day today. So there's a girl at my job that dresses all vintage. So it's, she literally, it's all vintage. Nothing she wears is from, it's all vintage. So she literally shops like it's 1984, 1985. That's all she wears. So she dressed more like 1980s than friggin' Gail Gadot did. Like so, it, it was Gail's all of her outfits in that movie could have been worn today. Since we're talking about wardrobe for a second, Mark, I don't want to interrupt you. Um, I really think some of Wig's outfits, especially the skirt she was wearing when she got potentially mugged, it was almost like they took Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman <laughs> or Selena Kyle from '92. Like, it's like, did you, did you see, and I know they talked about that on. That's what it was. I mean, that's, that's what I thought of, you know, and and Batman Returns did it better. Yes. (laughs) Because it it kind of fit. And I know they were talking about that on uh, Batman Beyond, but it was, it was like this skirt, like the button up skirt in the front. I was like, this is like cargo shorts mixed with a skirt mixed with, I was like, this is like, it was almost like a generic, um, I'm losing my words here. It just looked very stereotypical and not genuine. It was like, my God, how many, how, how nerdy can we be here? It almost, you know, Kristen, Kristen Wiig, it's almost like because nothing was eighties, it's almost like they were trying too hard with just her alone. Correct. Well, they didn't even give her the eighties frazzle dazzle poop big poofy bangs or anything believable it's like they only focused like the whole 80s budget was just put on her and everything else was just like that whatever and the one comedy scene where chris pine's changing his clothes (laughs) like that was it that was it that was the whole 80s budget well, no, actually, you can't forget they passed like you know the uh, Billy Idol fans in the in the in the yeah. subway area there, and that was about all the '80s they had time for. 
<laughs> well, another thing, trying to, I guess, hammer my point, don't you think Steve Trevor would have been more blown away by us now with modern technology rather than falling for some art piece in the 80s? Like, this dude died in World War One and is resurrected could have been modern times when you have space tablets and wireless phones and 85 inch TVs. And I just think it would have just been so much better continuity wise. If we would have just done it, like I said, and listen to me. Okay. Um, another thing. <laughs> Part of it is. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Doug. I mean, Rob was making the point earlier that, you know, DC in some ways just can't do what Marvel's doing in terms of having a bigger picture. But I think the other issue is they arrive too late on certain things. And if you're going to do that, you really got to top what yes. was before it. You know, Captain Marvel already did the period, you know, 80s or 90s, you know, blockbuster. And you're coming after that and you're not doing it, you know. And, and I think you guys are pointing out all these examples, you know, or, or revisiting things that felt like they were from the Reeves Superman or, you know, from yeah. Batman Returns, but not doing it as well, you know. It's just... It, it, so it's just generic, exactly like you're saying. Too forced. Um, hold on. Another yeah. thing yeah. that I wanted to say, I liked the the whole monkey paw thing. You like she was losing her powers because I I feel like some of the best things about superhero movies is when they're like in jeopardy. Superman two when he gives up his powers and struggles yeah. to come back. So I liked that fight at the White House where you can clearly see she's getting her ass kicked. I love seeing the heroes come over those obstacles and further the character development of the story. Like, I thought that was a plus. Mm -hmm. I, I seriously did think the, the, the heart of the plot with the Wishing Stone and the whole God aspect and all that, like the monkey's paw, that was really good. Like that was a solid foundation. I just think that they left out. It's in the it's in the director's cut. We'll just have to wait for the <laughs> Snyder cut. I guess I don't know. <laughs> the, the whole thing still, you know, I, I mentioned at the beginning, just feeling so much of it was hazy, and I, I just think it, it felt too much like the plot needs this, and, and so we're going to do it. You know, and uh, I think the the Dreamstone is a good example. I mean, at the very beginning, when he wishes that he becomes the Dreamstone, I'm like, why didn't you just turn into a rock? You know, why why, why do you turn into a human being with the powers? You know, I, I, you know, there are no rules, and so it feels like they can kind of do whatever they wanted. And so even some of the nods you mentioned kind of bothered me because it was okay. They need an invisible plane, so now she's going to figure out how to do invisibility, or she needs to get somewhere quick, so now she's going to figure out she can master lightning, and then she's going to figure out how to fly you know, or she's flying in her usual outfit and then she comes down in the armor with the wings, you know, it's like anytime you just need something, the plot needs something, she's going to have it. And um, she didn't know she was going to face Cheeto with the claws, you know, but the armor is exactly what she needs for that fight. And then as soon as the fight's over, she loses the armor. I, you know, I, it just felt like there was too much of on the spot, you know, they're going to figure something out or she's going to develop the power she needs or, you yeah. know, and, and it just, it just felt a little bit too, you know, not crisp enough. They didn't seem to know exactly what they were doing. It's just too, the plot needs this, so we're going to do it. I agree. So to that point, that it almost would have been better. Go ahead, Mark. Sorry. I was going to say the first Wonder Woman did not feel that way. No, no. So I think this one had a lot of outside input. 
like executives right. or something. I think I because the first Wonder Woman did not had same director, same cast. It did not feel it was not as patchy as the, it was not patchy at all. This was so patchy. Yeah, part of me, I agree with you, Mark, hundred percent. And you would think that there'd be more executive interference with the first one to try to you know they want to get it off to off the ground. I think the armor would have made more sense if she had not renounced her wish yet and she was weaker and needed the armor for a practical purpose. Like the armor actually served That's a no good purpose. Point. That's a good point. Cause she was back, she was back at full strength. So I think it almost would have been better if she would have renounced her, her wish after the fight with Cheetah, maybe because the armor gets, you know, torn up and she like she's really on the brink of getting really has no other choice yeah. and after she's, she announced her wish no did you notice that she started healing immediately yeah i liked it yeah, i saw that yeah correct i missed the shield correct. and the sword man yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah and that, that that brings up another thing I, I thought they were too reliant on the whip which led to some poor cgi you know like in the uh the mall, you know, there was a lot of Wonder Woman jumping around and using her lasso. I, I kind of wish, yeah, you're right. Where's the shield? Where's the sword? Where's just the fighting prowess? You know, I, I thought there was some shaky CGI because there was too much of her just swinging around. It just felt artificial, you know, pulled me out of the Absolutely. Action. Yeah. I think we hammered this, man. Oh, I was going to say something. So, go ahead. Um, well, hold on, Rich. Actually, real quick. So, I think one of the reasons that maybe they didn't do post BVS is I wonder if they couldn't really set up like a long game for Cheetah because then she goes right into like, I guess the question is how much time, right? How much time is there post BVS to Justice League? I really feel like Rich was on to something just with the social media part. Like, I feel like they chose the 80s because they're going to yeah. pay less oh, yeah. of that, you know? Oh, yeah. That's a really good point. And I, I was thinking about this as soon as you said, like, social media. I might have almost maybe scrapped the, the Cheetah Maxwell Lord altogether. And I would have almost gone with, like, a deceased angle with the technology. Like, really, like, get, get into people's heads on a grand scale. Because you would if you were talking, you know, social media. And then I think that really strengthens the the truth and integrity and fairness and justice narrative that the that the movie started with i, I don't know like i think they, they could have done a lot more with the with the with the with the technology of the time i guess yeah right modern times i guess sorry that was just a little so you're there. giving it a b plus i'm giving it a c mark what's your grade c plus doug i give it a b minus sir sorry i think i'm gonna go in the d's <laughs> <laughs> D, D for Doug. D for Doug. <laughs> Dr. Doug. So, <laughs> double Ds? So, basically, show average of a C, I say, right? Yeah, I'd say that probably averages out. All right. Well, if you think we're all insane and stupid and don't know what the hell we're talking about, shoot us a comment, shoot us an email, let us know your thoughts. I think the general consensus of pretty much all the articles I've been reading and following, like not a whole lot of people like this movie. Like that's the general consensus of what I've been reading. And I hate to say that because I'm always like that fanboy blindly going, you have to love this movie. And I'm, I'm, I'm off that bandwagon, man. Um, I so, think you fell off that bandwagon when you came out of the theater after justice league. Cause let's just tell everybody you were like, that was f- awful i'm like wow rich is upset that was terrible okay when he was in the damn coffin i was like what the movie is this like sorry we're not we're not talking about so i will say something real quick that really kind of skewed because i've been thinking about this movie obviously for a a week now or so and 
I'm, I'm continuously finding some things that I like. I'm continuously finding some things that I don't like rethinking some things, but let me just tell you kind of what Becky and I did after we watched this movie. I had realized that I had seen all the other movies, but it was during grad school and I really like my heart wasn't in it like it would be before going to grad school. So I think I've seen Wonder Woman twice. And one of them was when I fell asleep for 20 minutes in the theater. So right after the second day, so the 26th, when we finished it, I immediately put on Wonder Woman. And I was like, oh my God, I love this movie. I hate 84 even more now. And then I went back. I was like, how long has it been since I've seen Man of Steel? I'm like, holy hell, it's been a minute. I, we watched Man of Steel. I was like, oh, all right, it's time to watch Batman v Superman, the unrated version since I, or whatever it is, Ultimate or whatever. Ultimate edition. Because I... I tried to watch that once and fell asleep like an hour in, but I was like, okay. Cause I would always, I was always kind of neutral on Batman v Superman. Rich and I would always fight about it, but I was like, okay, this edition makes a hell of a lot more sense. I really enjoy it. I still have some issues with, with Bruce, but after that, then uh, we were going to try to watch Aquaman, but we haven't been able to do that yet. And it just really, it, it's, it's just, I guess, getting me excited for what's to come in March but it really just further alienated 84. <laughs> like it was yeah. just like, it doesn't fit. It doesn't it, fit. And it really is puzzling. Yeah. Why such a tonal shift? You know, it's just hard to understand what they were going for. Yeah. hundred percent because wonder woman one fits amazingly well, given that the story was written so long ago and it really fits and they've just really, they shit the bed on. It that. was just the, I, it was how they tied it to BVS that really sold it. Like you saw that World War One photo get taken in one room. You're like, that's from BVS. Like just those little nuggets of continuity that tie a movie together is all you need. That's all you need. And, and, and Rich, the yeah. part that, that really drove that home, I don't know if you remember in 84, but they used that piece of music from the beginning of Batman v Superman in that pivotal moment, you know, when Wonder Woman's reaching out to the world. And that's what I'm watching. Like the, the music's grabbing me emotionally because it captures everything about Batman v Superman and how great that was. But in Wonder Woman 84, none of it's earned. You know, it's like it's not. Yeah. It, you know, and, and so that that's the moment where I hit me. Like I'm looking at the images and hearing Wonder, you know, Diana's words. I'm just trying to pull it together. You know, and it's like it just doesn't fit the music. You know, they're going for something really big, but you just haven't earned it at all i think what i'm gonna do from now on is just watch the one roman 84 previews because i was pumped <laughs> watching the previews the music worked for me got a little what is that blue tuesday or whatever how does it feel blue like monday blue monday, monday i would say tuesday blue wednesday oh, this just, was I, tuesday okay it i was just a always i always remember like i loved the previous it's like oh this is gonna be sweet and i, I should just watch those and the first uh opening scene on the island and i think i think i'll just leave it there <laughs> Nice. Anybody, any other thoughts before we move on with Dr. Doug? I'm good. No. Wonder Woman Mark 1984, C. <laughs> All right. So who would win? Dr. Doug, welcome to the show. You get to choose the matchup for tonight's episode. I hope you're prepared. If not, I'll edit. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a matchup, sir? So do we need to, do we do this the last time you were on the show? I don't remember doing this, no. So Rich, no. you got to introduce the, you got to introduce the, uh, yeah. it's, it's, a de- it's a death battle. You pick two challengers and then we all vote to see who wins the ultimate nerd discussion. So think it over and then whoever you pick will read a quick Wikipedia backstory. Give people these, are two, these are two characters. Yeah. Yep. And, and it's take, not just comic book, bo- comic books. You can go, you know, sci-fi. Franchise, huh? 
Yep. Yep. Like I think we had what Gandalf versus Dumbledore, the yep. the Winchester brothers versus Blade. Versus Blade. Yeah. <laughs> Blade went down handedly. Mark still doesn't. Mark still re- <laughs> does not agree. Nope. Nope. Although we did have our first full agreement in the last episode, didn't we? We've had three in a row where all three of us agree. Don't break the trend, Doug. Okay, okay. I, I feel like I want to choose a character from Wonder Woman 84 since we went that route. Okay. And, uh, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pick Wonder Woman. I'm going to pick Diana. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to pit her against um, uh, Darth Revan from Star Wars. Okay. Oh, shit. <laughs> all right, Revan, Star Wars, Knights of the Old Republic. Am I on the right info? Yes, you are. You've got first, first appearance, Legends, Knights of the Old Republic, 2003. Uh, the Clone Wars, uh, Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes, uh, created by Drew Karpsheen. Sure. Uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> species human force ghost, formerly a force ghost. Uh, occupation Jedi Master, Dark Lord of the Sith. Uh, Dudes, both. Affiliation Jedi Order, Old Republic, Sith, Order of Revan, relatives, two grandchildren, blah, 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 blah. Apprentices, Darth Maul and Matira. Oh, so this is the person who trained Darth Maul. So I guess I'll just say in brief, Jedi turned Sith, led the Jedi Republic forces against the Mandalorians and defeated them 4,000 years, I think, before the time of Luke Skywalker. Okay. Okay. Wheels uh, two lightsabers. <clears throat> okay, Doug, what's your pick then? <laughs> I, I I'm partial towards Star Wars and Revan, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm, I'm picking him. Okay, Rob. So let me just uh, I have some follow up questions, Doug, because I'm <laughs> I'm I'm a little uh, outmatched here on my Star Wars trivia. So and, and look, to make it easy, you can say he's he's along the lines of what you've seen from Star Wars characters like. Darth Maul and, and those kinds of figures. So if you think of lightsabers and the Force and some of the typical things you've seen in the movies, it's that kind of power base. So I'm just trying to think. So can easily can this person do anything different with the Force that we don't see, like the Palpatine or Vader do? Gosh, I don't. I know the character mostly from the the game, and so it was a mix of similar Force powers: Force lightning, Force choke. All right, I'm gonna go with. Um, this is really hard. Um, come back to me. Go to Mark next. <laughs> I go with Wonder Woman. Read your case. I just think that, you know, she's just up there with Superman with the godlike powers. And, you know, she is just that her lasso of truth is just like can do so many things. You know what I mean? And I just I, I'm team Wonder Woman. You know, her her she has thousands of years of warrior trained skills that are just embedded in her DNA. You know, she grew up. She's a friggin Amazon. You know what I mean? So her her battle tactics and her just warrior knowledge is just puts her above it all. I think the all force right. power thing is intriguing, you know? Would, would he be able to reach out with the force before she can get to him? Uh, yes. I, I, I like this type of sci-fi futuristic person versus like almost seems like a Greek god old school warrior type. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. Like, you got to remember that Zeus himself was a part of creating Diana. Um, so she's got, like, the gods, and she defeated the god of war, uh, Mr. Master Manipulator himself. 
So I don't know, man. It would be an interest. That would be an interesting. That's almost like a Mortal Kombat matchup coming up here. Pretty, soon, you know what I mean? Um, I don't know because I like the the mystical force powers versus the old old god stuff. Ugh, fuck yeah, it. but the other thing about the Jedi's is there's still something very old, old school, school mystic about like them, them too. Most, yeah, right. There's still something about it. They're futuristic, but still have that that tone to them. Damn, Doug. Shit. <laughs> and, and would her bracelets hold up against a lightsaber? That's, Maybe, yeah, they that's, would. Maybe they would. Yeah. Well, and that I'm more bracelet, interested the, in the, I'm more the blast. Interested. I'm interested in the blast versus the use of the force. Yeah. I'm going Wonder Woman. Screw it. Okay. It, it, it. That sounds like it would be a good even matchup. Absolutely. That, that would, seriously. So, all right. So, I think... He's trying to use the force and the invisible jet just... <laughs> that's it. Well... So <laughs> didn't even see it coming. I'm actually interested in seeing Diana um yield a lightsaber. Interesting. Oh holy shit, that'd be awesome. It's a god killer lightsaber. <laughs> of age with a lightsaber. No, she gets one of Revan's sabers and yeah, you got an interesting saber fight. You bring up a good point though. I don't know if her bracelets would withstand. However, hold on a second. I I do think I have a little nugget of trivia. Don't some of the Mandalorians have a lightsaber-proof armor? Don't they have some things that can withstand lightsaber? Yeah, you might be right. And, and if I remember right, he's, his mask is even a Mandalorian mask that he wears. So he, he might have some of the armor. Well, I mean, Wonder Woman's armor would be pointless since a cheetah can rip it off with her fingernails. So I don't know yeah. about that. But I guess maybe the bracelets being there's some God connections to it, it might be able to withstand a uh, saber blast. I actually, I mean, I'm going to go... Ugh. I'm going to go Wonder Woman, but it's not like she almost doesn't make it on this one. Like she almost doesn't uh, survive this. And I think it comes down to a lot of force versus just wielding God powers. Yeah. Um, yeah bear, by the skin of her teeth, I think Wonder Woman would win, but she's going to come out of this not feeling so well. Got yeah. me thinking. And I, I think the, the only other element I'll add too is. is that he's got the tactical <laughs> aspect too, is someone who led, led fleets, led armies you know, led in war. So I can see him having a Batman tactics. Oh yeah. Mm. All right. Mm. So that was a good one. That, that was good. That, that was, was original. Good. See Doug, isn't that fun? Off the cuff bullshit. All right. So I still highly recommend that people watch this movie, even though we just kind of shit all over it, but get in, get in on the discussion. I, yeah. Seriously, get in on the discussion. And I, I really want to hear what people have to say. So Another really good episode, Doug. Awesome hanging out with you again. I look forward to you future too, uh, future uh, Doug's movie corner review. I, I don't even think you knew you were going to do this, but it, it's now a staple on the show. So, oh, <laughs> welcome aboard. If anything, it, it primes him for his his Facebook reviews that he'll pick back up when COVID's no. I'll have to things. do that. Yeah, I've got to get those up. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thanks for hanging out. Until next time. This is Rich. This is Mark. Doctor Doug. This is Rob. Um, really appreciate Doctor Doug coming back on. Really appreciate you guys uh, listening. Please like, subscribe. You know, leave us a comment if you absolutely hate what we do let us know how can we get better um if you want some stickers you know shoot us an email with your contact information so we don't you know say that over the airwaves so hit us up on your uh itunes or google or um we got spotify all that good stuff hit us up on your listening app of choice and again thank you so much for hanging out with us until next time
Thank you, as always, for listening and supporting this RMR production.